Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at bowlinggreenchristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. Uh, We are in the middle of a series called Sacred Pathways, and we are working our way through um, this. this, It's based off of a book by Gary Thomas uh, by the same name here. And the premise of the book, if you're just joining us, is the idea that all of us connect with God in a way uh, that is unique to us. And when we talk about connecting with God in a way that's unique, what we're really talking about is each of us uh, renews ourselves in God in a different and unique way. Uh, it's not that unlike if you've heard of the, you know, the five love languages where each person uh, gives and receives love in a unique way. And the, the key is, you know, in a marriage to figure out how it is that your spouse receives love and, and how you can meet them there. And the same thing with the sacred pathways. Each of us sort of finds a place of renewal in God in a unique way. Uh, Thomas has outlined nine pathways that he thinks are ways that people um, find renewal in God. And so far, we've looked at six of them. Today, we're going to look at three. Uh, so far, what we've, we've looked at is the naturalists who feel surrounded by God in nature, uh, the sensates who want to be surrounded by the witness of God in art and architecture. Uh, we've looked at the traditionalists who want to be surrounded by God through timeless and ancient order. We've looked at the ascetics who just want to be left alone with God, um, just to be sort of there lost in prayer. We've looked at the activists who want to be lost in God's work of justice. And these are the people that, that sort of want to get in your face and tell you the truth. And when they're there, man, that's renewing for them. And then we've also looked at the caregivers, the people that feel closest to God when they're caring for others. Now, as I've said, you know, each time through this, this series, and it just really, we need to repeat it, is just because something's not your pathway doesn't mean it may not be your pathway later, and it doesn't mean that you're not called to do something. So you might say, well, I'm not an activist, so therefore, you know, because I'm Southern, I don't have to tell the truth to people. Um, I, not that you would do that. Some people might. Um, you know, no, we still are called to tell the truth. And just because you go, well, I'm not a caregiver, so that means I don't have to care for people. Well, no, we're all called to care for people. Uh, just some people, you know, they get refreshed spiritually. Other people, they've got to be refreshed so that way they can share that with others. And, and the important thing is for us to sort of know who we are so that way we can take time to renew so that way we can be able to serve and give our best to God and to his kingdom. Today, we're going to look at the last three of these pathways, and they're this. We've got the enthusiast, the intellectual, and the contemplative. Um, how many of you have taken the quiz online? If not, there, there's one available in your app. Perfect. That's great. Um, how many enthusiasts do we have here? Oh, that wasn't very enthusiast of you. Something like, yeah, that'd be good. How about this? Enthusiasts. Yeah. All right. That was really bad. Intellectuals, whatever. Yeah, that's what I expected from you. All right. Contemplatives. Just raise the hand of your heart. And that's all you have to, I'm just, put your hand up, I'm just messing with you. All right, perfect. So these are the three spiritual pathways that we're going to look at a little bit here today. Um, Let's just talk through just sort of general, uh, you know, summary here. Enthusiasts, they want to be joined with God through celebration and mystery. Uh, The intellectual, they want to be joined with God through study. Uh, The contemplative, they want to be joined with God through this quiet adoration. And I want to walk through each of these, and unlike weeks past, 
these are all pretty unique. And so we're going to spend a little more time on each of them, sort of uh, just one-on-one. We'll start with the enthusiast. Um, oh, no, we won't. We're going to start here. Sorry. Don't worry, I wrote it. I, I got it all down. All right, so the thing they all have in common here is they have to make time for connection. This is one that really requires you to make time for connection. The, the intellectual, you have to make the time for the study. The enthusiast, you have to make the time to be a part of worship. The contemplative, you have to make the time so that way you can have that, that quiet space where you and God are alone. The, the key here is going to be making the time for God. Now, just sort of in general terms, this might mean that you have to, if your life is super busy, you might have to put like, you know, an appointment in your calendar, like you're going to have lunch with Jesus on Tuesday. And, you know, on that Tuesday lunch with Jesus, you're going to just leave the office, you might just sit in your car, you might be that guy or that gal in your car for an hour, and that's going to be your time, and that's where you're going to go. Uh, you might have to get up a little bit earlier, you might have to, you know, say, I'm not going to binge watch, you know, four episodes, I'm only going to binge watch two and a half episodes and give myself some space in the evening, uh, you have to make the time for these because if you don't, you will find your spiritual tank gets depleted rather quickly. And so the thing all of these have in common is, is there's a really important piece to guard that time. Unlike the caregiver where a person might call and, and that sort of invites that activity or the activist, they see something and they're just sparked to go get involved. These are activities that can easily push, be pushed by the wayside. And it's important that you make the time to engage in each of them. All right, now we're to the enthusiasts. Here we go. All right, so for the enthusiasts, corporate worship is super, super important. If you are an enthusiast, when you think about church, you're like, man, I want to be there just a little bit early so that way I can make sure I get a seat. I don't want to miss any of the music. I don't want to miss any of the songs. Now, if you're married to an intellectual, uh, your spouse might say, well, we don't need to worry about the music. You know, the good stuff, the meaty stuff, that's in the sermon. We just got to get there by then. And you're like, no, the sermon, it's, eh, you know, it's fine. But the music, that's where it's at. Man, I got to be there. I got to be engaged in worship. This is the difference. This is the difference. Now, should we all engage in worship? Absolutely. Should we all, you know, try to get something out of a sermon? Yeah, we should all try to do that. Uh, but some of you are going to just sort of totally have your soul filled in that time of worship. Others of you, you're going to have your soul filled in that time of teaching. And, and the important part is that you know who you are and that you make the time for those. So the enthusiast wants to connect. They want to connect through this celebration. They want to connect through this, this worship. You know, if you're here and, you know, you want to worship, I want you to know that you have the freedom here to, to, to put your hands up and to clap and, and to do those things where you can sort of be lost in that time with you and Jesus, sort of caught up in that moment. And if you're an enthusiast, you probably don't need my permission because you were going to do it anyway, because for you, that was important. Now, there's another aspect of the enthusiast that I think is important for us to, to point out, and that is the uh, understanding that the enthusiasts embrace the mystery of faith. Enthusiasts know that God can show up any time, and so they're a little more sensitive to it. They're a little more open to God showing up. The enthusiast is one who will be glad to say, you know, I think God is maybe saying this to me. Uh, the enthusiast is one who might be looking for Jesus in different moments and conversations in time. The enthusiast knows that God can just show up, that God can just move. And it's important for us, maybe that aren't enthusiasts, to be sensitive to that. 
You know, it's easy for some people, maybe sort of more the intellectual bent, to say, well, you know, God isn't going to show up in that way. You know, he's only going to show up in Scripture. I've heard people say that. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Holy Spirit is alive and active, and he speaks to all of us. The enthusiast is the one who takes the time, or rather makes the space, for God to be able to show up and speak to them. It's super important that we listen to them, that we allow that to happen. They embrace this verse here in Deuteronomy 29, where it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever and ever. Enthusiasts know that there are secret things that maybe haven't been revealed, things that God wants to say to us, that, that God wants to speak to us, maybe, you know, maybe through a dream, maybe through some sort of, you know, not maybe, maybe an audible voice, but maybe just some more of a quiet prompting that gets put in the heart. The enthusiast knows that that can happen. And the enthusiast is great to have in a prayer meeting, and they're great to have in church, because here's the one thing the enthusiast does that we all need to do, is they expect God to show up. I don't know about you when you come to church, if you come expecting, but we should all come expecting. The enthusiast just does it naturally. The enthusiast comes to church and says, I expect that God's going to show up this morning. I expect that God is going to speak to us through the worship. I expect that God is going to, to do something at church today, and I want to be a part of it. They look forward to it because they expect God to be there and be participating. Now, here's one thing that I've learned from the enthusiasts, because this is not my natural pathway. Uh, the idea of expectancy in prayer. I don't know how your prayer life goes, but often we have sort of a, a list of things that we pray for. Maybe it's written down, or maybe it's just memorized, or it's just something that comes from our heart. This, things that are important, we just pray for those things. Uh, but often, you know, we pray, and if we're in a hurry, it sounds a little bit like an auctioneer, and we pray quick, and we, you know, we don't give God a word to get, you know, time to get a word in edge up, edgewise. English is hard this morning for some reason. Um, we don't give God a chance to get in there, you know, and say something to us. It starts with, you know, you know, dear Heavenly Father, and then the list, and it's in the name of Jesus, amen, and we're out the door. The enthusiast is one who will say, God, this morning it's good to be with you. I want to just take a minute to be quiet if there's anything you have to say to me. The enthusiast is comfortable to say, speak, Lord, I'm your servant. I am listening. And, you know, God may or may not, you know, put something on their heart in that moment, but they always give the space for it to happen. And I think that when we pray, we would all do well to say, God, I'm going to have a little bit of a moment of silence here. And I know that I've been busy. I know that I talk a lot. I know that there's a lot going on in my life, but I just want to give this moment to you, God, in case there's something you've been trying to say that I've been too, you know, too hard of hearing to, to catch right now. The enthusiast gets that. They get that there's mystery. They get that there's celebration. They're looking forward to the time in heaven when all of these secret things are revealed and we gather together in worship. Revelation celebrates this, looks forward to it. It says, after this, I heard what sounded like a great roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Listen, I don't know what you think about the volume of the music here, but a great roar is loud. And so in heaven, friends, it's going to be loud. They may give out earplugs. I don't know how that works, but um, we do. Uh, but, you know, I know that in heaven, it's going to be loud because it's going to be full of all of the enthusiasts completely completely able to open up and give voice to the joy of being face-to-face -face with their creator. That's the, the beauty of the enthusiast. That's what you guys are looking forward to. All right, so that's the enthusiast. Uh, let's move on to the intellectuals. The intellectuals connect with God in a very different way. 
They connect with God through uninterrupted study, through learning about God working in Scripture, nature, church history, and theology. If you just fell asleep as I read that you know, description, you are not an intellectual, and that's okay. Some of you, you were like taking notes. You're like, all right, work, Scripture, nature, history, theology. Yeah, I like all of those things. That's you. You know, if your idea of spending time alone with God involves books, like a lot of books, maybe a dusty book or a computer on like a Bible study website, then you are probably an intellectual. You love God with your mind and you feel so connected to God when you are understanding the deep things of Scripture. You're one that wants to look at the ancient Greek and the ancient Hebrew and the few verses that are in the ancient Aramaic. You, you know which ones those are and you want to look at those and you want to read those because you somehow feel that you are closer to God when you get you know deeper into the text and you understand it more this is not the enthusiast the enthusiast you you come to them and you say do you know what this word means in the greek and their answer is probably gonna be i don't really care you know uh, i'm not really interested in that no i you know i want to worship um but you know if i'm saying hey the original word was this all the intellectuals they go all right let's catch that and you pay attention to it the intellectuals you want to look at that in that different way you want to look at god through an organized study now i highlighted a few different things here we've got scripture uh, so again, you don't have to be like a Bible study guy, but if you are, you know, an intellectual, you might say, man, I really want to know those original languages. I really want to be a part of that. Uh, some of you, you want to study God in nature. You know, you might be sort of a backyard, you know, uh, enthusiast with a telescope and you just love watching the stars because to you that reveals God. And so you know and you track the, you know, stars and, and you know, planet what is, orbits, that's the word. I told you it's hard today. You know, you track all those things and you're looking for God in the created order. Some of you are looking for God in church history. You want to know how did God work throughout the centuries? How has God been faithful to his people? And you want to study that and know that. And others of you, you're really into theology. What do we believe specifically? Why do these things that we believe work out the way that they work out? And so you spent some serious time engaged in study looking at all of these things. If you are an intellectual, I've got a passage of scripture for you. It's Psalm 119. It was written by an intellectual. How do I know that? Well, Psalm 119, here's what it's about. You ready? Psalm 119, the largest chapter of Scripture in the whole Bible. It is a celebration of, wait for it, God's law. Just the law, just the, the books of the law. It is celebrating the law. Have you ever met anybody that celebrated the law? No, nobody celebrates the law except an intellectual. Not only is it a celebration of the law, it's an acrostic poem, which means it's all in the alphabetical order of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. So each chapter, if you've got a Bible, a lot of Bibles will put, tell you which, you know, which letter that section of Psalm 119 is in. But what you don't also know is that each line in those sections starts with that same letter. So who writes an alphabetized poem celebrating God's law? An intellectual, okay? An intellectual. That, that's who they are. They're celebrating God's law. Let, let's, let's read part of it here. How can a young person stay in the path of purity? You know, there might be a lot of options, but the intellectual would say, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. In other words, I've memorized that word in order that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. 
Now, you might be praising God here. If you're an enthusiast, you're saying, Jesus, wrap your hands around me. You're saying, Jesus, it's good to be in your presence. You might be imagining God's throne room, and you're saying, God, it's so good to be here in your presence. If you are an intellectual, you're raising your hand saying, God, teach me your law. Nobody really does that except the intellectual. That's how enthusiastic they are about God's word. They're hungry for God's word. I know a man who's definitely intellectual. He gets up early on Saturday morning so that way he can go to a restaurant and he brings a whole like mini library with him so that way he can just study. That's his time with Jesus. You know, if you're an intellectual, maybe something like that would be a great discipline for you to be engaged in. All right, I, I want to talk about contemplatives. This, this one's a little different. I think it's a little bit harder to describe. It's it's a little, you know, it's a little more loosey-goosey in terms of trying to describe it. It's kind of mystical, and that's okay. How many of my contemplative friends do we have here? I want to just, I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for being contemplatives, because I think a lot of the Western church hasn't always understood how to, uh, how to handle the contemplative side of faith. Uh, contemplative faith and worship looks like this. It connects through regular alone time with God, where they love with hearts, imagination, secret acts of kindness, simple immersive prayer, and they allow God to speak. Uh, I'm going to have to describe this one a lot by allegory and maybe some with story. So let me just start with this description. Frederick Beekner said that, you know, two people might describe the way that Susie Smith walks. If one's a podiatrist and one's a poet, you're going to get a different description. The podiatrist might say that Susie Smith walks with fallen arches, which could be a very true statement. The poet might say that Susie Smith walks in beauty as the night. Um, could also be a true statement. Now, the question we might want to ask ourselves is, which of those truths are we most after? You know, the intellectual would tell us, well, her feet are flat. Uh, the poet would say, well, that's fine, but there's a grace about her. And really, we might be more interested in the contemplative description. We might be more interested in the poetic description because that tells us more about her as a person, sort of her essence, rather than just the status of her arches and whether or not she needs inserts in her shoes. We're not real interested with that. The contemplative sort of gets to that piece. They sort of get the part that's a little bit harder maybe for us to see. Uh, the difference might be something like this. The intellectual wants to know what the text of Scripture means, whereas the contemplative wants to know what is meaningful in the text of Scripture. They're the ones that are going, well, what's the meaning here? What is the part that maybe I can apply and do and know? If you were to be in a Bible study, maybe you're in a community group and you've got an intellectual and you're studying something about Jesus and his ministry at the Sea of Galilee. The intellectual could tell you what the weather patterns were like at the Sea of Galilee and, and what time of year this may have happened and, and how storms could have come up, you know, come up quickly on the sea. And the contemplative would say something like, well, can you imagine what it would be like to sit there with your toes in the sand? And as that breeze comes off the Sea of Galilee and that sun is warming your back and you're looking at Jesus, listening to him tell you the truth. And I know that some of you, if you're on the intellectual side, you're going to write that off. You go, well, yeah, it doesn't really matter what it would be like to have your toes in the sand while you're listening to Jesus. You know, what we want to know is what, you know, what did he say and what is it, in the, you know, what did he really mean there? Whereas the contemplator says, no, let's spend some time here in this moment. Now, before we write off the contemplative, I, I want to just sort of own something. Um, 
I had a passage of Scripture just cracked wide open for me one time by contemplative. I just want to set the scene. I want you to know that I had come into this with some study. So my undergraduate degrees in biblical studies, I took an eight-hour class over the book of Acts. Yes, seriously, four in the, the fall, four in the spring. No, I didn't fail. I didn't have to take it twice. One was the first half. The other was the second half of the book of Acts. It was eight hours over one book of Scripture. You can read it in like 30 minutes, I think, if you really sat down and applied yourself. Uh, eight hours of class on this one book. I had read Paul's conversion story. He tells it three times in the book of Acts. I had read through that several times. I had looked at the text. I'm confident that I had studied it even in its original language. I mean, I had poured some study into that. I went to to seminary. I've been to graduate school. And so I've looked at this passage a bunch. I was in a class, and a lady read the passage of Scripture where Paul says, this is what I heard uh, Jesus say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goads? And I'd always heard that sort of like God's asking him like, what are you doing this to yourself for, man? You know, you're not real bright, obviously. You keep fighting it. You keep putting it off. Let's not go there. But the way that this other person read it, they could imagine Jesus's face and they could imagine Paul hearing it. And they said, as they read it, they said, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you hurting yourself? And there was so much compassion in the way that uh, it was Brian's mom, Joy Luna, read that passage that it just, for me, I just, I saw it in a whole new light and one that I'm convinced is absolutely true. You see, there's something you miss if all you're studying is the word on the page. It, it requires a sanctified imagination to get into the text and to put yourself there. That's, I think, sometimes what we miss as we study scripture. Uh, The contemplatives, you know, there's a Jesuit practice where you just sit yourself in the the passage and you imagine what it would be like to be there and and to put yourself in the scene. The contemplative does that naturally. And and they go, man, this is what I think it would have felt like to be there in that moment. We need that from our contemplatives. Contemplatives, your prayer is also in Psalm. It, It reads like this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. I remember being a kid going to church camp, and the guy that led worship for us was definitely contemplative because he would always tell us, you know, close your eyes and imagine yourself in the throne room of God. I just couldn't do it. That's just not how I was wired. I just couldn't imagine. I'm like, what does it look like? Is it like we're going like a medieval throne room, a celestial throne room? Just in my mind, I'm just trying to put myself like in a throne room. Like, what? I don't know. Imagine God's face. I don't. I just see light. I don't know what this looks like. I mean, I've seen Jesus like you know, on the felt board. Is that, is that what he looks like? But he's got a crown. I, I, I struggle with that. But if you're contemplative, I think that you sort of, you feel this. You're saying, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power. I have beheld your glory. I've seen it with my sanctified imagination, with my mind's eye. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Um, I want to, in the interest of time, I want to just say this, if you spend time imagining God in heaven, you might be a contemplative. Um, you would find yourself in the company of Mary, who sits at Jesus' feet. Martha's cooking up a storm. Mary just wants to sit there and look at Jesus' face. They don't have to have a conversation. We don't have to talk. But isn't that how you know you're closest to somebody? When you can just sit in their presence and be silent. This is the contemplative. They just want to sit in the presence of God. 
I, I know I've told this story before, but it's my absolute favorite little modern-day parable. Um, three people are waiting in the waiting room to go into heaven. It's, I don't, it looks like a doctor's office for contemplative people. You want to know what it looks like. Um, and all of a sudden, a guy comes in from the door that you know, is labeled heaven and sits at the desk, and, and nothing happens. And the first person, he's a guy, he's had enough of it, and he goes up to the, the desk, and he's like, you know, how much longer are we going to be here waiting? Because we've been here for a while, and it'd sure be nice to get into heaven. And, and the guy at the desk goes, well, um, I guess, I mean, I guess we could have this conversation now. I just really one question. Do you know who Jesus is? And the guy said, well, yes, I know who Jesus is. You know, I was, I was a Sunday school teacher and, and I went to church camp with, with, with high school kids. I mean, that you, you meet Jesus in those moments, you know, I, yeah, I know who he is. I've taught about him. I've done all these things. And the guy at the desk says, all right, well, you can come in. And seeing that it went well, the second guy, he he says, well, you know, hey, what, what about me? And the guy says, well, same question. Do you know who Jesus is? And he says, well, of course. I was a pastor. I preached about Jesus. So I talked about him. I, yeah, I know who Jesus is. I studied about him in school. Great. Well, you can come on in too. The, the third person waiting, she's, she's not quite so bold. So she just kind of sits there, figures when it's time, it's time. Finally, the guy at the desk says, well, what about you? Would you like to come in? And she said, well, of course I would. And he says, well, do you know who Jesus is? And she says, well, of course. I recognized you as soon as you came in. She has this awareness. I, I think this is going to be the contemplative. I think they will see Jesus in a way that is not as surprising, maybe for the rest of us, because they've already had a chance to see him. You've already had the opportunity to see Jesus. We need the contemplatives as we need the intellectual, as we need the enthusiasts. I, I want to say this. Each of these pathways probably would benefit from journaling where you can record your time with God. It doesn't have to be this daily thing that have to be long and painful, but the intellectual, you can write out what you learned. And you can say, man, I feel like this was something that I learned today about God. Uh, the contemplative, you can just you know, write out that experience that you've had. The enthusiast, as you, you, know, as you think back on a worship experience or, or maybe the way that God has spoke to you, you can write that down. I, I think this, these are three particular disciplines that would really benefit uh, from journaling. That way you could share your experiences with others and, and meditate them on them a little bit more yourself. All right, I want to look at the, the pitfalls for these, and then uh, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up. Uh, but the renewal pitfalls here, there, there's several. The, the first one is true for all of them. It's judging other paths. I, I would say this is probably particularly a problem for the intellectual. Um, I, I've, I've had it. I've, I've been part of that. That used to be a pathway that really brought me a lot of life. It doesn't bring me as much anymore. Um, I've been on the other side of people saying, well, you know, these things just aren't deep enough. And, you know, and I think what that is, is this intellectualism that says, well, if I've got to learn something new and novel every single time, when really, I, I think what we're called to do is make sure that we live everything that we've learned out. And it's important for us to put it into practice. So judging other paths is a problem. Uh, that bottom one we'll hit, we just already hit, is sort of a tendency towards knowing rather than doing. Uh, if your faith never, like, changes your life, your faith is an active, okay? Um, if your worship time on Sunday doesn't change the way that you, you know, work and live uh, on Monday, um, you've got something to do. If, if all you want to do is come and learn more trivia on Sunday, man, you, you're going to have to start living it out. I call it spiritual obesity. People always say, I want to be fed, I want to be fed, I want to be fed, I want to be fed spiritually. And I think if we could look at the way we feed spiritually and the way we use our spiritual calories, we've got a spiritual obesity problem 
in the church, and we need to make sure that we put into practice and do everything that we know to do. So I want to sort of hit that there. So judging other paths, tendency towards knowing rather than doing, neglecting corporate worship for private worship. Uh, this is a, a problem, I think, for a lot of pathways, these three in particular. If you're contemplative, you can say, well, man, I can just have time with Jesus in the quiet of my house. If you're an intellectual, you say, well, you know, they never get deep enough for me. You know, if, if you're an enthusiast, you know, it's, I can just turn on the CD in my car. And it's really easy for these paths to sort of, uh, you know, isolate themselves and not engage in the corporate community. Uh, but it's important we all engage. Because let me tell you, as a church, we need to hear from the intellectual. As you've learned new things about God, we want to know what those are. And the enthusiast, man, when you come to worship, you, you bring the whole mood up with you. And, and you are a blessing to us as you worship God. And the contemplative, when you tell us how God's been speaking to you, man, it, it warms our hearts, even if we don't always show it. So, you know, being connected in a corporate body in the church, that's super important. Uh, third, uh, this third pitfall here is equating good feelings with good worship. Sometimes that's a problem. Uh, we can also equate sort of good feelings with good study and just sort of assume that just because I feel good about it, it was good. But again, if it's not changing our life, and if it's not scripturally accurate, then we're missing something. This can happen for the enthusiasts and the contemplative. You know, you think God's saying something to you, but if it doesn't line up with what scripture teaches, that's not God talking to you, that's somebody else. And so we've got to be aware of that. We've got to realize that it's not just about our feelings about these things, but that there's other stuff that, that comes in. How do we keep ourselves in check? Well, again, being part of a church, sharing those things, talking about them is a great way for us to sort of check ourselves and make sure that we're staying on the right path. Finally, pride. Uh, you know, this is one where we can sort of say, you know, my path is better than yours. You know, I'm, I'm more spiritual. I'm more knowledgeable. I'm more this, that, or the other. You know, uh, really, we're all wired in different ways. And so one's not better than the other. They're just different. And I'll tell you, we look the most like Jesus when we come together and we share our gifts and we share those pathways. So, you know, don't hold out on your neighbor. Um, come, get involved, get connected. It's super, super important that you do. Uh, what are you going to do this week? If you've got the app, I've, I've loaded in there about nine different ideas for you on how you might be able to um, take this sort of to the next step. Uh, as the worship team is coming out here, I'll just hit a few um, you know, if you um, are so wired, some of these aren't going to apply, but some will. Uh, hosting or attending a prayer meeting, maybe getting musical friends together for a time of worship, uh, just make attending worship a priority, uh, being engaged in some sort of systematic study. I've got two links in there for you to be able to look at and to see um, some places that you can kind of go take a next step in your study. One of them is a thing called Next Level uh, from Ozark Christian College. These are free, sort of like almost college-level classes that have got a lot of great content. And so if you're an intellectual, that would be something for you to do. Uh, dedicate some time to being alone, turning off the radio in your car and just praying. Or if you're a contemplative, just listening uh, could be something that you could do. And memorizing scripture. Maybe go back and memorize those verses uh, that I've loaded here for you. You could kind of start with that and, and make that something that uh, you pray to God. But whatever it is, the goal in this whole series is that we would each find that place where we can really feel renewal from God and connect there. If you're in a community group this week, we'll be talking a little bit more about it. Um, but let me pray for you right now. God, we thank you that you've created us unique and different. God, there's just so much we could talk about. Um, but I do thank you for this very just unique way of looking at our faith and spirituality that Gary Thomas has put together. 
God, I thank you that it's definitely attested to in scriptures. We see that you relate with your people in different ways. And so, God, this week, I pray that for every person that's here, that you would connect with them in the way that's meaningful, that you would fill up our souls and our hearts and our minds. And God, the, the challenge this week really is, is, is pretty simple. It's just to make the time to be with you. So God, we started our week here with you, but Lord, would you help us this week to make some time to be with you? Just five, 10 minutes a day, maybe, if that's all that we could, could carve out or start. But God, would you help us to make the time this week? Put, put that on our heart. Convict us, God, that, that we would feel led, that we would feel a necessity to be connecting with you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.